But we're not talking about someone like, hey, man, you got to just stay in Christian churches. Christian churches is your safe space. No, not necessarily if what you're hearing is false doctrine. There are some churches that aren't grounded well, so they give people anxiety about their Christian life instead of peace in Christ and confidence. And they give people um, rigid rules that are, let's say, legalistic. Because I'd be worried about your soul. Why you still be doubting you got a soul? Like you need to see to believe these things, but you believe things that you've never seen. Like feelings and hopes and dreams. The future emotions and gravity And sadly, everything you're rejecting Makes this whole life a tragedy And I got something to say, I got something to say I got something to say to the world And I got place to make, I got steps to take I got cakes to bake, I got shoes to tie I got mountains to climb, I got things that I really strive to do Just before I die, huh? Tell the whole world all about Jesus Christ So I'ma do all that I'm called to do I'ma call on you so you could recall it to memory When you remember me speaking about the remedy of the living king He's the one giving you everything Every good thing that you got Everything that you not when you think that you have, he's the one at the top that can make it all stop. He started it off from the very beginning. Welcome to the Milk and Meat Podcast. My name is Andrew Krimkovich, and I have with me my brother in Christ, uh, Jeremy Dillman, and he'll be joining us for this episode on Does Doctrine Really Matter? So, Jeremy, if you could just say a few words about yourself real quick, and then we'll just jump right in. Hey, how's it going? Uh, yeah, my name is Jeremy. I'm the uh, pastor of New Mountain Church, uh, married to Amy. Um, I have a daughter named Mary, and uh, I'm just happy to be here and be able to uh, participate in this awesome thing. All right. Um, one thing that I see a lot of people, maybe, I don't know if it's recently, but I see a lot of people saying, don't judge, um, don't be so harsh, don't be so critical, when what they're responding to is just plain, simple teaching, mm-hmm. doctrine. And we like defining terms. You've inspired me in that way as well. <laughs> so I looked up, what does doctrine mean just from the Merriam-Webster? And it says, a principle or position or the body of principles in a branch of knowledge or system of beliefs. Or some of the archaic meanings could just be teaching or instruction. So it's it's a main position. It's a core position for a system of beliefs. Mm-hmm. Doctrine is not being unnecessarily stubborn or stern or unreasonably strict. It's not it's mm-hmm. not like this constriction, like we have to force this. Right. It's it's the standard. Yeah. It's it's like what's the standard for creating a human being? Well, the standard is one male and one female. One provides the egg, one provides the sperm. It, it's just the doctrine. That's, yeah. that's what creates a human. If you don't have one of those two, it doesn't matter if you use test tubes. If you don't have one of those two, you will not have a baby. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, we could look at it as if you don't have some of these core important doctrines in place, you either don't have Christianity at all or whatever you have, it's going to ruin later on because it's going to just unfold in different ways. Yeah. Um, so what do you got? So, you know, something I've heard a lot is doctrine divides. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's the saying, at least it was, uh, 10 years ago or so, uh, doctrine divides. And, you know, I would say, I, I've heard some of my favorite pastors, uh, I've heard them say, well, yeah, doctrine divides rightly. Like sometimes division is exactly what needs to happen, but yet there's sometimes where people divide when they shouldn't divide. They divide over things that don't matter or things that are insignificant, you know, but, but there's, there is times where it actually has to come down to it. Like this is the line in the sand and, uh, it, it can't happen any other way. Like, and, and you know, I think that's that's where we got to define where that is. Where is that? Where's that line in the sand? I know we were just talking about some different things a minute ago in theology, and uh, you know, there's a there's a lot of things that people feel are so important that they need to split fellowships over. Um, but really, where is that? Where is that line? Where are those open hand uh, topics and closed hand topics, or or the ideophora? You know, where are those? Like. So, I mean, that's, that's where I'm at. You know, I've, I've heard um, uh, people say in different ways, a bunch of different ways, but they say the same thing. They say, well, it's not just, it's, it, that's my truth, though. You have uh-huh. your truth. I, yeah. I have my truth. Or, or he has his truth. Or, you know, uh, anybody can believe whatever they want to believe because that's their truth. Relative. And, and I, I come down to the fact, well, if everybody's truth is truth, then all truth is false. 
Mm-hmm. Like there is no truth in because they all contradict. Yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't work that way. Like it, if all truths are real, then it, essentially what you're saying is that they're all not real. So that's where it comes down to the ultimate truths. I think that's where the, our doctrines like need to rest on the those ultimate truths. That that makes the idea of um, what is it not ultimatum. Um, you know what I'm... Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> it's a word. <laughs> has, absolutes. It has letters in it. Like, oh, yeah, absolute. That's There's no moral absolutes. Mm-hmm. That idea is what leads people to the belief in relativism. Like, right. you know, whatever makes me feel comfortable, whatever I'm raised around, whatever I'm willing yeah. on my own to go after, that's, that's what's true to me. Right. And if it's not obviously or externally or evidentially harming you... Mm-hmm. Um, then it shouldn't be argued against. Right. But evidentially, we can see later on the damage. Yeah. I mean, but maybe physical harm doesn't get caused necessarily. But we need to know that we aren't just flesh and bones. There's there's a spirituality about mm-hmm. the human condition. Yeah. We are spiritual. And that just that does not just mean that we sense a connection to everything around us. That's basic spiritualism nowadays. It's, right. it's the feeling of connection around... But it's not false. It's not that we aren't in some way connected to everything around us. We we are. I mean, we're of the earth. Mm-hmm. We we return to the dust, and right. it all kind of goes around in a circle. But we are created spiritual human beings. Yeah. We, you could cut off my arms and legs. I'll be affected, but I am still myself. Right. I mean, I know now what that feeling is um, that the older generation has when they say they have a youthful spirit, they feel young inside, mm-hmm. but their body, it, it just, it limits. Yep. And I get that now. I mean, I'm only 32 years old. I'm young in a lot of people's yeah. eyes. But the age I just... my brother. Yeah. My brother. <laughs> nice. But it's like, I actually feel that now. Like I did, I did uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with my, with my friend yesterday, uh-huh. uh, my brother Andrew. And I felt myself getting worn out after like, two seven round minutes of, of rolling around with yeah. some of the guys, like just wrestling with them, trying to push them off and trying to put them in a submission. Uh-huh. After seven minutes, I was like, man, I know where I would have been five years ago. I yeah. would have been all over that full of energy. And now it's like, I got to get myself re right, yeah, for yeah. that. I can feel my, I, my I can last seven seconds. Yeah. <laughs> hey, just do a lot of damage in yeah. those seven seconds. But it's just, it's like, we, we, we have this notion of, there's something eternal in us yeah. and of us, but but the body just decays, and mm-hmm. we get these aches and stuff. We can't do what we know we want to do. So there's there's a reality, there's a soul, there's a spirit right. that outlasts whatever we're going through physically. Oh yeah. So when people say I'm spiritual, I, mean, I get that. I get your yeah. desire or your your feeling of connection to everything around you. It's beautiful. You step outside. There has to be some sort of feelings that overcome you. I mean, that's why. A lot of people they get the they get the medication of being told go take a walk in a forest when you're angry by mm-hmm. their uh, counselors by yeah. their therapists. It's like that will make you feel some peace and some awe and some thoughtfulness and introspection. Yeah. It's real. You step outside, you see that. But a lot of people, out of their ignorance, they say it's not because God. It's not yeah. because of creation bringing glory to Him. Yeah. It's just because I'm connecting to the spirituality. Yeah. It's like no, 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 no. It's because. You are surrounded by what God has made as proof and evidence of yeah. his wonderful majesty. Right. You're just not pointing to that as the reason. So when people say, you know, my truth and my truth, your truth, it's, it's like all those, all those lines, you just get divided and, and, and you tell people, uh, we're, we're okay to disagree, but you can't tell me that I'm wrong. And there's no way... That, that there's something that is right that makes so many other people wrong if they mm. compare to it. Like there's yeah. no way that there's a standard. Like right. the, the idea of a standard terrifies them. But all you have to do is go through just a little bit of the Ten Commandments with some of Christ's explanations of it yeah. to show people that standard is already in your heart if mm-hmm. it hasn't been seared, if it hasn't been just brainwashed, if it oh, hasn't yeah. been affected through trauma. Usually that standard of love to God and people is yeah. already in the heart. Yeah. Or like people, Romans says, the book of Romans says that, you know, the unbeliever has suppressed the knowledge of yeah. God and their unrighteousness. It could be that as well. And that doesn't always mean, you know, I know that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm just choosing not to. It, it's just, it's that 
that welling up of the spirit, knowing there is greater, there mm-hmm. is higher, there's something more, some some yeah. power, some something more than I've come from apes. It, it's just a knowledge of there is a greater. Anyone that looks at the sky mm-hmm. should have some sort of awe in them. Right. After becoming a Christian, I'm always surprised when oh, I see yeah, this guy. I'm just daytime, nighttime, sunrise, sunset. Yeah. I know who makes and refashions that wonderful piece of artwork. Yeah. Second after second after second and readjusting, making it more and more just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. But even non-Christians, they look up and they're just like, wow, we as humans are so small. Look at this great sky with all Mm. these vast stars that we scientifically can say would fit like a million Earths in each of those stars. It's like, that's crazy to think about that. Here we are saying we figured it all out. Yeah. And then you look up. What arrogance, huh? Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, man. You know, what's cool, too, is uh, even if we were to break down the word for, you know, our holy scriptures, canon. Yeah. You know, the Greek word kanun for, for canon is, means, you know, standard. It means measuring tape or, yeah. you know, you could, however you want to say it. Like, it's a standard that, that everything else gets held to, you know what I mean? So, like, that's, I could see that. I could, I could see that. We have this standard. Um, I, I had a verse that I wanted to bring up, too, because yeah. it kind of, like, it'll, I think it might set this all, like, on a foundation, <laughs> but it's from Jude, and from Jude uh, 3, it says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. That's pretty awesome, because if you notice, once for all means only one finalized. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Means it's here. Yeah. And it's not still coming. And yeah. it's not, you know. We're not getting new revelations. Yeah. I mean, this is the stuff that touches on a lot of other things right now going on in society. We have a lot of popular uh, pastors that are being called by people that study doctrine and people that study the whole word. They're being called false teachers because mm-hmm. they proclaim that now here's something new that God is saying and here's something this. It's the fact that somebody stands up and says it, which makes it seem authoritative. Right. But Christianity is not take your brain out and just say yes to it. That's not Christianity. The Bible never says anywhere, be ignorant. There is something about receiving something by faith, but that's a conviction that leads you to agree with it and to be able to answer for why it is also rational Mm -hmm. to agree with it. But there is also that studious approach that uh, the Bereans, they did some study to see if what Paul was saying was true and right. They studied the Old Testament scriptures while he was prophesying that Jesus fulfilled it. And, and uh, And Paul said... They were more noble because they were doing more than just saying, okay, cool, yeah. which is not bad. It's not bad to receive by faith. Right. I mean, there's something about hearing and having the conviction that God brings uh-huh. to totally illuminate your heart and be able to say, I believe. Yeah. But once you really believe, you'll also learn to understand why it's right. Oh, yeah. And, and it's necessary. Word says to study to show, show ourselves approved. Yeah. You know, like, it's for sure. Like, There's more than just a... a, a Unintellectual yeah. belief, and you you mentioned it a minute ago when you said that we're spiritual, like that is actually what uh, God's talking about when He says that we're made in His image. Yeah. And it's not necessarily meaning that God has a nose mm-hmm. and that God has hair, but it's more in the fact that God has made us in His image uh, with that spirit with that understanding, with that capability to learn, with that capability to to recognize and to be rational and to be, you know, logical and yeah. you know all that. That's the image of God stuff like that's pretty cool. Um Colossians uh chapter 1 verse 28 and 29. I it it doesn't go deep into this, but it's it's Paul basically saying he's suffering, he's explaining in verses 24 to 28. He was going through these sufferings. He's doing this because God is calling him to this type of suffering to be able to influence and affect the church in a certain way to fill up the sufferings of Christ. Um, and God has given him this ministry to teach and and correct and mm-hmm. show people this way. So this is not him assuming something upon himself. And verse 28 says, we, meaning we the apostles or the teachers, we proclaim him, meaning Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Mm. For this purpose also 
I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. The reason that there is an admonishing, which is a correction, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a warning, teaching, or correction. Admonishing can be used in many ways. It says, so we admonish every man, teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. The reason that doctrine is important is because it's there, first off. It's just there. Yeah. It's, it's standards that have been set forth, and it, there's no ambiguity to the main standards of God. There's, there's possible ambiguity to some verses, and those are the ones that don't make up great doctrines anyway. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that people argue about sometimes for no reason. Right. Those are the ones that become a problem because people don't handle them right. They don't understand how to say, I don't get it. They don't understand how to say, this doesn't define all Christendom. This mm. doesn't define the entire truth of God's word. This is something in God's word that could be argued or maybe unsure of. But yeah. there's very few actual scriptures in the entire Bible, Old and New Testament, that actually have something that even to this day by major theologians is truly unreconciled. Mm-hmm. There's very few. I mean, there's so few that... You can't make up any doctrine. So all of Christianity doesn't change if you take out even those truly difficult verses. Right. Maybe it's because translation. Maybe it's because uh, context. Just There's some things that could be argued this way or that way. If you take those out, the main foundational principle doctrines or yeah. teachings of Christ and what it means to be a Christian, who God says he is and what we yeah. need to believe about him, those things don't go away. They're still solid and right there. Oh, yeah. A lot of people just don't realize that their own faith... And their own strength in the faith grows when they are well-grounded on doctrine that comes from God. Well, even in the subject of textual criticism, which is, you know, doesn't mean that it's critical of the text, but it means that um, looking into Scripture and the ancient uh, manuscripts and ancient texts, uh, you know, there's something called variance, you know, and that's not errors, that's not, uh, you know, false... uh, writings inside our text, but it's just, you know, scribal errors or, or, you know, adding a the or adding a, mm-hmm. an I in something or, you know, <clears throat> there's, there is variance in our, in our vast number of thousands upon thousands of manuscripts. Over 20,000 manuscripts. Yeah, over 20,000, which, which there is absolutely not any writing in all of mankind that even comes close to that yeah. amount of ancient about, writings. About one event. Yeah. One thing, yeah. But when you take Every single variant, there's not even one that changes what our doctrine is exactly. at all. And sometimes people one. people get that statement. They'll they'll hear like the Bible has uh, fifteen thousand differences, but they don't realize that that literally like fourteen thousand of them yeah. would be literally a, a missing a yeah, or a missing right. the. That yeah. that's actually counted in mm-hmm. those in those lists when people see look at all the differences in the different translations right. or between Old Testament or or between the older versions and the newer. It's like just look at what those are. Those are usually little prepositions, mm-hmm. little this, little that. They are not these big things like no. you know Jesus says I, he is God, and then the other one says Jesus says there's more gods than him. Right? Right. That's, that's not the variation. There's yeah. so few actual things that should be wrestled through or yeah. talked through, and people just it's ignorance. People don't look into it. They just look into they'll, they'll Google well, it. Yeah, like it's, what's it's, the easiest way to disprove Christianity? And they'll say, oh, there's twenty different variations, twenty thousands. Like right. you don't even know what they are. And that's probably like I'm sure this has happened all throughout history, but you know people don't actually want to look into the issue they want to find an answer to combat you (laughs) that's mostly when it what happens there's very little learning that actually goes on um that yeah but yeah you're right i i uh i think that uh um i don't know why that happens where where people focus on just the answer that they want to hear rather than the answer that's true that's like when you, whenever you're open air preaching, uh, me and my brother Aldo, we go out and open air preach. I haven't done it in a while. We shouldn't go again. But there'll be times that um, while we're doing that, someone would come out um, and they would start saying something or speaking over us or asking us a wild question. Yeah. And I have learned to just completely ignore some of those wild uh-huh. questions. I've learned sometimes to entertain a heckler, uh, someone that just argues just to argue. They don't care, usually. Usually it doesn't look like they care. They'll say something, and the proof that they don't seem to care at that moment is the fact that after you answer it or you ignore them, they just walk away. They don't listen further. But it's like it's this desire to stump someone 
just for the purpose of stumping them. It's not yeah. because you actually want to know. It's because right. you yeah, already yeah. have this presupposition, yep. which which we're allowed to have as human beings. But there should be this openness, mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, this person's preaching what he says is truth. What's the standard I'm going to use to disprove him? A lot of people that don't have Christ in his word, they don't have a standard. Mm-hmm. They have a cultural standard. They have a personal moral standard. They have the governmental standard, like what the government says is right. But they don't actually have like a, this is the truth even if I die and go away. This right. remains the truth. But yeah. that should be that should be our standard, something that doesn't really die or uh, stand or fall based mm-hmm. on our existence. Because that's not a standard. That's an idea, yeah. personal opinion. But hecklers usually, they just want you to get tripped up. And I've, I've seen how sometimes I've spent like five, ten minutes trying to explain to a heckler to somebody that's arguing with me, instead of continuing to preach the gospel to whoever might be actually listening. Mm-hmm. And I realized there's times, not out of disrespect, but I have to ignore them because they really are going to do more harm just by diverting my attention oh, away. Right. And I see that sometimes. Um, are you are you looking something up? Yeah. All right. So uh, we, we were talking about R.C. Sproul a yeah. minute ago. He has a quote um, he, where he said, when there's something in the Word of God that I don't like, the problem is not with the Word of God, it's with me. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I, I forgot who said it. They said something along the lines of, if there's a scripture that you want, you would want erased out of the Bible, that's the one you should most meditate on. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. like, it's along the same lines. I, oh, I, right, forgot. Yeah. I think it was Vadi Bakum, I'm not sure. But it's uh, at First Timothy chapter 4, I was going through some some major statements about why, why doctrine is important. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, this this is somewhat a big section, but I'll just read it. Chapter First Timothy chapter four verses one to eight, talking about the Spirit of God. But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times or in later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For every created, everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of sound, the sound doctrine which you have been following, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, for bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So it's saying there are going to be false doctrines. This was a warning Mm -hmm. uh, about 2,000 years ago, uh, 1,970 years ago. This was a warning. And saying that these things will come it would be it will be odd for someone that says i believe the bible and not to think that there are going to be things necessary to discern truth from error as if that's not a real warning saying hey even people that use the bible people that are in christian circles we're not talking about just false religions i mean Mm -hmm. those are false doctrines as well but we're not talking about someone like, hey, man, you got to just stay in Christian churches. Christian right. churches is your safe space. No, not necessarily if what you're hearing is false doctrine. There are yeah. some churches that aren't grounded well, so they give people anxiety about their Christian life instead of peace in Christ and confidence. Yeah. And they give people um, rigid rules that are, let's say, legalistic, s- demanding this level of perfection that isn't anywhere expected in Scripture, right. as if that defines your Christianity. When we see that false doctrines, false beliefs, false standards, false teachings are going to come into the church or come in among Christians. Remember, this was a letter written to Timothy, who was a pastor in Ephesus, Mm -hmm. and he was supposed to warn his people. It says, if you um, point out these things to your brothers, to the brethren, you'll be a good servant. And if you're constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of sound doctrine, which you have been following but have nothing to do with all this other mythical stuff, right. nonsense. There's this, there's this warning saying, hey, Timothy, you are a pastor. You're right. one of the younger ones, so you got to yeah. be careful. But at the same time, don't ignore this. It, Timothy wasn't even warned just by saying, hey, Timothy, you all alone in a corner, be aware of false doctrine. He even was told to warn the brothers. 
I mean, pastors are supposed to, and ministers and people that teach or preach the Word of God, or they should be able to say, hey, here's some of the false doctrines around us, and this mm-hmm. is how they try to twist it, and, and this is wrong. That is yep. not true. But they should also be able to say what is true. False right. doctrine divides, but it mostly, more than anything, uh, doctrine divides, but it doesn't divide good from good. Right. It divides That's good true. from bad. Mm-hmm. So just Truth like you said, yeah. yes, and there's a need to, to be, I think a lot of people just want easy Christianity yeah. and I get it. I get the feeling of, I don't want to work hard, mm. but it's like, look, you're not working to save yourself. Right. You're working to protect yourself in the salvation that God has already freely offered through Jesus Christ and his mediatorial death and resurrection mm-hmm. of the cross. You are protecting what God has given you. You're protecting yeah. your own soul from error, which could mess you up. It would either bring you to a place in your life where you don't give God the kind of glory that you ought to and are able to because you're not using these strengthening gifts of God's word and the Christian character that should be formed in you. Instead of teaching people, warning them, saying, turn away from this sin and that sin, you're you're welcoming doctrine that says this sin and that sin, it isn't really a big deal. Right. But it is a big deal. Sin is a big deal. And sometimes saying that, you know, I don't like that doctrine. It's too strict. It's also saying, I don't agree with God. But people don't want to say that. They're like, no, 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 no. I agree with God. God is love. Yeah. But I don't agree that God doesn't love the homosexual. It's like God loves the homosexual in such a way that he actually offered his son on the cross so that any homosexual right. that believes the gospel can come to him and be changed and transformed and saved from their sin. But any homosexual and any adulterer and any heterosexual that rejects the gospel and they don't walk towards Christ... There's no salvation otherwise available. It's only through the cross of yeah. Christ. We can't say God doesn't love because God judges. Right. But it doesn't make sense to say, you know, God's my savior, but he's not my judge. He's my judge. Right. He's judging this world. He's making the final call. To bring up another R.C. Sproul there quote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said this in a sermon one time. He said, uh, you know, the Bible doesn't say that God is love, 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 or that he's wrath, wrath, yeah. wrath. But it says that he's holy, holy, holy. That set apartness, you know that the thrice holy God. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. And and if that's who we really look to, a holy God, if we depart from even one word of what he says, it's sin. To him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Mm. That's also concerning the the Bible. You know, I don't, I don't believe. Or don't understand. If, if someone is a Christian that actually understands what Jesus said when he said, man does not live on bread alone. Mm-hmm. By bread, it, it really means more than bread. Mm-hmm. When we say um, the Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, which is really the believer's prayer, yeah. Jesus is leading them, teaching them the generalities or, the, yeah. or the, the aspects of a good, well-grounded, faithful prayer. Our mm-hmm. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Yeah. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us today on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Mm-hmm. He's not just saying, we want to be naked. <laughs> we want to be cold. We want to be outside. Mm. We just need some bread in our mouths. Bread yeah. is, is like a, 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 a blanket statement for mm-hmm. all things that provide. So we're talking about everything material yeah. as the basic needs of a human being. Give us bread. our daily bread. Please protect us from the cold. Protect us from the heat. Let us have a place to shelter under. Let us have at least the basics. Right. Uh, just like, what is it, Proverbs 30, I think. or Proverbs, Yeah, Proverbs 30. Uh, it says, you know, two things I ask. Don't, don't give me not enough or uh, don't, don't uh, keep me from falsehood. And give me just what I need. Don't give oh, me too much, because yeah. then I might get proud and say, you know, who is God? Or yeah. don't don't let me have too little, because then out of my own sinfulness, basically, yeah. I might curse you. Like right. there's a fear of humanity and sinfulness there. Just yeah. give me what I need and keep me away from lies. Yeah, That's it. That's a crazy bold prayer, if you right. can actually pray with your heart, saying, God, I have surplus. Every yeah. paycheck gives me surplus. I can spend $5 on a Starbucks coffee when the whole bag of coffee in Walmart costs five bucks. <laughs> yeah. I have surplus. Uh-huh. But if you want that surplus to completely go away for your glory, and yeah. all I get is my carton of eggs, my two milks, my juice, mm-hmm. and a few meats and some rice for the whole week with my family, and that feeds us. If that's all you want to provide, and that's all I need, let it be. Yeah, That's... That's mm-hmm. a very humble thing. 
And that, Definitely. that should lead us and teach us humility to be able to say, God, I don't necessarily want that right now, yeah. but I'm willing to confess that if that's what you want, yeah. let it be. That's really? crazy hum- humbling. Like, yeah. and, and, and of... what the point I was, I was saying is, um, Jesus said, I'm, I'm the bread of life. And Jesus says, man doesn't live on bread alone. So man, the whole life of a man, if you look around, everything you see, literally everything you see is not enough to truly give you life and right. keep you alive. Yes, you need food. Don't starve. Yes, you need shelter. Don't burn up or don't, don't freeze to death. Yeah. But true life is not found in just these materials. Right, right. It's found on the word of God. You have well, to live by the word of God. And then think about what he said when he says he's the bread of life. If you if you kind of connect that to Ephesians six, yeah. when we are, you know, if 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 Jesus is our substance, yeah. Jesus is is our material. Like Jesus is our thing. Um, and then you look at Ephesians six, where we're supposed to be clothed in Christ. Then that's that all encompassing. That's like what yeah. you said about the bread, the uh, the bread in Matthew six. Um, it's all encompassing. It, it's it's everything, and you know one one other thing too. I, I think you mentioned it, but I I, I might have missed it. Um, in your First Timothy four verse, it says um, expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, yeah. giving heed to deceiving spirits and 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 etc. Um, that's not losing belief in something. Mm-hmm. They're departing from the faith. It's it's uh, it's the faith. It's not faith. It's the faith. It's mm-hmm. the understandings of what God has said. Mm-hmm. It's the teachings. It's the doctrine. Yeah. That that's they're departing from doctrine. And and you you mentioned that Timothy is the pastor in Ephesus. Well, Ephesus was crazy filled with paganism, oh, yeah. like to the brim, like like. A, Whenever there's a, a city that's a hub for trading, that city will for sure be crazy heavy in idolatry and, and paganism. And it is. I mean, even the, the, one of the main statues of the main goddesses, which was, um, I can't even remember her name right now, but she has like many, um, what, what would you say? Many breasts. Yeah. <laughs> that's their statue? Yeah, it has like, like 20... Twenty in the middle, right there. Like, and it's and it's supposed to symbolize what you said—that bread of life, that uh, fruitfulness. The fruitfulness. So that was the, that was who they would pray to for agricultural things like that. Yeah, and and fertility. Okay. Uh, I can't okay, remember. So her she name was the, right the goddess of fertility, and okay. Yeah. We you know we have we have a lot of belief in in idols like that right now. Oh too. yeah. I mean, people will pray to the right god in I don't know in Buddhism India. Uh, in Indian culture, there's a mm-hmm. God for every need. Oh, yeah. And people say, you know, they'll pray to somebody for fertility and someone else for money or yeah. income, someone else for um, food. It's interesting when you think about that. It's like we idol- humans idolize the fact that they need help, right? but also the fact that they can choose who it comes from yeah. and they can manipulate that deity to give it to them based yeah. on just a few little rules that they abide by. Mm-hmm. It's like being able to control God is the epitome of idol worship. Yeah. You choose when you give and you choose the results and you, you can yep. make it work on your own volition. Right. That's odd. You want to be in the driver's seat. Yeah. Yeah. Take your God with you because they can't take themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so carry carry your statue with you. Yeah. That's that's what I whenever I see them carrying statues and things, I'm just like, do they not realize what they're doing, like when when they were carrying the ark, they weren't weren't carrying God. They were right. just honoring him with what he said. This is his sign between them and him. Like when mm-hmm. Israel was carrying that the ark, they 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 really weren't carrying God. Like right. he doesn't need to be carried around. Remember, he he just did whatever he did already. He he before there was an ark, he brought on these catastrophes onto Egypt. He showed that he has no limits, yeah. no box. He doesn't need to live in a box. He's not bored, cold, lonely, hungry. He just performs these wonders to point to his majesty, overcoming the, the youthful life of the uh, firstborn male child in all of Egypt. I mean, he was able to just bring them all to death immediately. Right. And he showed his power over animals and things. Like He showed who he was. And then I guess they started to consider, like, if we bring God down to the battlefield, even when he told us not to go, then yeah. we'll, we'll win. Right. <laughs> it's like God is using things, but he's yeah. not held by any of them. He doesn't get stuck. He's not like Superman. Superman can't see through iron or something. I don't know the whole story. 
But it's like God can't not see through or something because you didn't pray right or because you yeah. have some sort of like your eyes closed. Oh, right. Like yeah. God, God's not not able to look into your whole heart, life, and um, disposition if mm-hmm. you choose to say, I'm not letting you in right now, God. Look, there's something some people need to understand. We don't really let God in. Right. As if he's banging on the door trying helplessly to get yeah, into our pleading. hearts. The only thing that changes is not God. It's not even his access to us. It isn't that. It's actually our surrender and our stance before him. Oh, we yeah. surrender to God and we we say, I'm opening the door. Whatever that, however those words come out, it's really us humbling ourselves saying, I repent yeah. of thinking that you don't have the rights to my soul right. or you don't have my heartbeat in your full control. I repent of that. Come in and eat with me. Yeah. I surrender. Rule over me. Give me food to eat. But when people don't realize that the Bible is is literally the word of God and Jesus says, man doesn't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. A lot of Christians, they don't actually think about that. So they don't actually read the Bible. Right. And I don't know how far you can get if you actually study from left to right not sarcastically, not flippantly, but seriously, if you just read the words of God from left to right in the New Testament even, yeah. how far do you get until you start being warned about false doctrine and you start being corrected about true doctrine? I mean, Paul does that stuff all throughout. He corrects yeah. false doctrine in the middle of his epistles. Right. He's going polemically at these things. If we're not realizing that that was going on 80 A.D., 90 AD, whenever Paul was writing these things. Like, we don't realize that was going on 2,010 years ago. Oh, no, I'm sorry. 1,980, 90 years ago. (laughs) When we... I can't wait till I could just say 2,000 years ago. I don't know how to do math, so... (laughs) Yeah. But uh, it's like we don't think that this is important. Right. As if God doesn't give us warnings. So... Let me read uh, Romans 1. uh, There it is. Starting at 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they are without excuse." Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like, and then it goes on to talk about so many different yeah. idols, and you could, you could put anything in their power, greed, anything you want to put in there. But they exchanged that, they ex- exchanged the image of the glorious God to, for... For, for idols, you know, they had the truth. They had the, the God right in front of them there. It was clearly seen. Nobody's with excuse, but yet they yeah. gave, gave that up. It, yeah. it would be difficult to be able to say, I didn't have enough evidence when oh, God no. says, if you didn't have the gospel of Christ or even the Old Testament scriptures, and for some reason you were in an environment where there was no religious book, when you look up at the heavens, God does not give you innocence right. in realizing there is something out there. And it's not because you have to ration and reason that there's something. It's just yeah. God puts this conviction in mankind's hearts oh, yeah. that there is more. We're not really alone. We have a desire to reach and ask yeah. and seek. We have something that well, convicts us. Did you know this? That there's, there's absolutely no people group on the face of the planet that are atheists. Yeah, like they, the, they have are, some sort of idolatry. Yeah, the, there's some... And I mean, I, I'm not talking about, you know, modern American college professors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about, like, people groups all over the yeah. planet that, that don't have our resources, mm-hmm. that don't have our colleges, just, just people who are trying to figure out life on their own. Yeah. There's absolutely none of them there, that, that don't believe in yeah. some God. Like, there, there's that... There's that... And you're talking about in your spirit, you know, there is that that stamp that God has stamped upon us where, where we're looking to God. And a lot of us, especially in America, will start to put ourselves on that pedestal. I'm yeah. going to worship myself, and I'm going to say I'm an atheist, but I'm, I'm just going to worship myself. But there's absolutely nobody who doesn't worship. There's nobody who doesn't have some sort of God that they're mm-hmm. reaching for. And I think that's when it comes to the, you know, me and you believe like that 
regeneration happens before we believe, that the Holy Spirit indwells us before we believe. And that's the only reason we do believe is because he's enlightened us. He's He's made it clear to he's us. Called he's called us. He's called us. Yeah. He's predestined us. You can name all, all sorts of different words. Um, and, and then we, we understand. He opens yeah. up our eyes to understand. Yeah. He had to open up the disciples' eyes so they can understand the scripture. He opened up Lit, Lita, Lydia's? Lydia's? Lydia's heart and eyes so she can see and understand the gospel. So God is always coming in and intruding mm. in the otherwise lost and and depraved human soul. We are so full of our own attempts right. at trying to reach something. We're trying to reach and create the Tower of Babel all up mm. in our lives through education or cultural success or yeah. social kind of praise. We're always trying to reach our own version of heaven. Like heaven is when I do this or when my right. enemies are away or um, I'm finally, I've arrived when oh, I yeah. get this and that. We have this view of like, we're just creating a little tower of Babel and God is saying, yeah. no, that's not how you get to yeah. where you think you're going. Yeah. No, God's going to knock it down. God's going to knock it down <laughs> and it's going to hurt. And the terrifying thing is that a lot of people don't think that it's important to have these specifics articulated. Like what is doctrine? People just say, you know, I just want to believe God is love. It's like, yes, God is love. But when you also add to that the words love is love, it's like you misidentify love by saying it's nothing. Yeah. It's like, what's a chair? A chair is a chair. Come on, give me something. <laughs> what is a chair? Yeah. We have to be able to articulate these things. If, if we can say to someone that we want to make a life with, I love you, you better be able to say more than love is love. Mm-hmm. But when it pertains to God, it's, it's like some people just want to not define that love because they don't want to be offensive or they don't want to be offended by actually speaking out those truths. Right. God is love means that God does sacrificially act on our behalf even when we totally deserve the opposite. We Mm. deserve the judgment he chooses on his own volition, for his own glory, by his own plan, to do something otherwise, which is right and just and uh, even spiritually morally right because Mm. he does provide the sacrifice, but someone else pays it. We yeah. should take the hit, and he, he sends a son to stand in front of that hit and right. take it for us. I mean, that is, that is love. That is doing good unto others. That is sacrificing towards another. Yeah. That is humbling yourself in a way where you do what you didn't have to do. That's right. love. God is love. He provides. He protects. He warns. He chastises. He corrects. But love also hates evil. Yeah. And how do you hate evil if you don't judge it yeah. and call it evil? And send it away from you. God yeah. is going to do that with all evil. So many people just don't want to define that. That's like the you know I saw a video yesterday of a of a guy running into a burning house and like snatching his dog out of the flames. Yeah. Like his him and his dog were like sizzling after they got out. You know, but I guarantee he didn't just get in there and say, "Hey, would you like to would you like to come with me?" Yeah, he I'm sure off. he like grabbed him and yanked him and ran with him. You know. Uh, and so there, there is that, there is that kind of a, a idea of where, like, it's that important that we're going to say you're wrong because we care about you. That's it, that's the reason we're saying that you're wrong. You know, um, that's the reason that we're trying to correct because we're trying to help you, we're trying to save you. But now that doesn't negate the fact that there's many Christians. I know some. There's many Christians that, in the idea of proclaiming false teachers or or correcting error they will call them out thinking that they're being loving but it's not loving they do it in a they, harsh mm-hmm. making fun kind of way yeah, yeah. and and it and it's uh, it's going against what we're yeah. trying to do you know and i think this i think that if you love somebody and you're humble you can't come off as being uh that way, aggressive, that, you know, demeaning, uh, abusive. You can't come off that way. If you're humble and you're loving, then even when you have to say something's wrong, say something's in error, you're not going to come off that way. Yeah. You know, and, and I, uh, I fail at this often. I don't, I, I fail at this. So I know that it's not something that you can just, you can just always be that way. Mm-hmm. There's times where I totally fail at that, but then there's other times where I'm talking to atheists and they uh, defend me against other atheists mm-hmm. because of the 
love that I show in my words yeah. or in my voice. The understanding. Or, and... The understanding, yeah. The, just the fact that I care about them. I'm not trying to misrepresent them. That kind of stuff, you know. So I, I think that there's that balance where we're walking with... It's, it, well, it's kind of like the truth and grace mm-hmm. thing, right? Like we got to give full truth, 100%, you know, full blast, you know, you know, all guns ahead, right? Yeah. Truth. But then at the same time, grace. With grace. Yeah. yeah. And, and and in that grace is that that love and that care and that uh, gentleness, you know? Yeah. So. No, I, I've totally, I failed in a major way for myself uh, about a year ago with one of my closest friends. I'd say he's he was the, he's the best friend that I've ever had mm. because he was he's my best friend in Christ. And God has brought us together at a time where he hadn't yet come to Christ and brought him to Christ through some of my work and some of the church's work. It was just, it was this wonderful uh, coming together. And then he was rescued by grace and it's just been this incredible relationship of ministry and uh, I've been able to pour into his heart and life. And a year ago when there was all this political division and nonsense, mm. I snapped back in a in a public way. I wouldn't say necessarily in a uh, in a hateful way, but I I, I targeted him in a response because mm. of how he uh, put something out. And instead of letting my emotions kind of simmer and then just reaching directly to him, driving up to his house or whatever, I just I got upset and I said it publicly. And I didn't call him out by name, but I called him out, mm. and he knew it. And it was easy for him to put up a wall, and it was not easy for me to realize that there's a wall now against someone that I, I see as my younger brother, like right. just my brother. And I, I ruined that. And I tried to take it back, but I couldn't, and my stubbornness got in the way. And then for a year, almost a year, almost a year and a half, uh, it was just no conversation. Like oh, I'd man. reach out, I'd try, I'd mess it up, I'd, I'd say, come on, man, like it just didn't. And for me, it's been a heartbreak for a whole year. Yeah. And just recently, we were able to reconcile by the grace of God. And I'm able to hug him and say, I love oh, you, bro. Good. And for me, it's been incredibly humbling because I realized that I love him. I care about him. I want him to see what I'm saying. Mm. But there had to be that grace. And I didn't offer it at that time. I just let my emotions get the best of me. Right. And that's with someone that I care about. So I have to be very mindful of my own emotional uh, directions or mm-hmm. just yeah, impulses. But also, like, if I actually have and disagree with someone I don't necessarily like, it, it is possible for me to respond in a harsh way to someone else. I mean, if I could do that with someone I care about and I, I would step in front of traffic for him, like, mm-hmm. if I can do that with that and, and damage a relationship, which by God's grace now is being reconciled right. and I can't wait to keep growing with that. It's like, I can, I can do some real damage if someone's actually, I mean, we've had during our public preachings, me and Aldo, we've had people cussing up a storm at us, right. yelling at us. We've had people come and try to shove us. Like, I saw that one guy that took your Bible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he wanted to read. I was like, Hey, I'm sorry, man. Yeah. You, you want to tell me what's in the Bible? You, you're, you're acting. Cause he was, he was behaving a bit erratically oh, yeah, and yeah. coming back to his beliefs later, he started saying he's the risen Christ. I'm like, Oh, all no. right. So you're going in that direction. I actually know what that belief is because uh, I used to follow in that before Christ rescued uh, me. I thought yeah. that I was God. Christ consciousness. Uh, yeah. Christ, uh, so it was yeah. it was messed up. I saw where he was coming from. But I was like, I had to take the Bible and be yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you saw, seem erratic. I, I just don't want you to you hold my hands. Bible. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you got to let go, man. Yeah. That was awesome. I don't trust you. If there's someone else like a little bit more leveled out right, would yeah, grab yeah. my Bible, I'd be like happy to say, hey, yeah. show me what you're showing. No, no. That's, I, I thought you did exactly <laughs> what you needed to do. Uh, but I, I just, I wanted him to know, hey, you need to repent of your belief that you are God. Right. You need to repent of that. But so I see, I see that need for gentleness. I see that need for humility. And I didn't, I didn't handle my own relationship with my brother. Yeah. And maybe with it's humility. meekness. Maybe it should be meekness. Yeah, Strength. power under control. Yes. Yeah, power under control. This this uh, section in Second Timothy speaks about that in volume. Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty three, twenty six. It says, "But refuse foolish and ignorant speculation." This again is coming from Paul to Timothy, teaching him how to be a pastor, a leader, a minister, a teacher. He's saying uh, in chapter 2, verse 23, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. Mm -hmm. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil or the trap of the devil, 
having been held captive by him to do his will. That speaks so mm. much about everything in the Christian life and everything in the non-Christian life. I mean, that right there basically says, first off, it is God that grants them repentance. So we have to yeah. kind of see the sovereignty of God, which is interesting to look into. It is when, when we, we don't know who God's going to lead to repentance. We, we know that we're commanded to speak and preach. To everybody. To everybody. Just like, uh, who is it, Spurgeon said, you know, until God, if, until, if God would put a yellow stripe on the backs of all the elect, those that will be saved, those that will one day come to saving faith, I would walk around lifting up shirts. <laughs> but since yeah. that's not the case... I will preach whosoever, mm-hmm. meaning whoever will believe on Christ. That's that's yep. how we handle this. We don't handle this saying, "Hey, do you do you feel a little do you feel a little heart throb for God when you hear about Jesus? Do you do you sense a sensation when you're in church? Like we're not here trying to evaluate people's future condition based on what they're feeling right now. People right. can reject God adamantly and then later on come to saving faith. They yeah. could be the greatest of atheists and then come to saving oh, yeah. faith. Definitely. So we're not here to say, "Hey, you know, how to church feel. Sometimes that's a question that I want to ask, like when I invite someone to church, but I want to be careful not to misask it. So I'll ask them like, what did you think? Mm -hmm. Not, not like, Hey, did that feel good? I really don't care if it felt good because I know they're preaching the truth from the pulpit. So Uh I'll ask them like, Hey, what did I get you thinking about? Have you thought about that before? Cause it's about like, you're using your head in this. Mm -hmm. So we, we can't walk around saying, how do you feel about this doctrine that you're hearing? Did it make you feel good? We should be finding out, Hey, do you understand that that's the word of God? Like, where did it hurt? Let's dig a little deeper. Are you willing to to let it hurt a little bit? There should be this desire, but there's this carefulness with which we approach it. We can't yeah. talk about sexuality without realizing that people's entire identity is wrapped up in that. You can't mm-hmm. speak with hate towards anyone in the LGBT community. It doesn't make sense. Right. Their entire identity is, and it's, it's, it's being put up on a pedestal to say, this is who you are at the core of your being. Yeah. I mean, people literally hold on to this. They get yeah. tattoos of the rainbow flag. I mean, they, they totally identify that this is the core of them. So when you reject LGBTQ, it seems like you're rejecting them, them as an individual. Right. Yeah. But it's like, we got we to gotta tell them like, hey, we're all going in a direction before oh, yeah. we come to Christ. And yeah. everyone that goes in any direction before they come to Christ is going in an anti-Christ direction yeah. in various colorful ways. Mm-hmm. So even though some people's sin or some people's ungodliness is exposed in a more obvious and a more visible way, it yeah. doesn't mean that all the other nice people without Jesus don't have oh, hearts yeah. full of sin. It's oh, just man. that some are more decorated than others, and this well, is more <clears throat> prominent in some ways. Yeah, and, and even look at this for talking about church leaders and, and pastors, Yeah, right? Uh, we we don't got it right. Like I've messed up so many times. Like, and I'm sure there's even things in my doctrine that need to be ironed out. But I got an at, iron if you need one. <laughs> look at look at what what Paul says to Timothy, both in in First Timothy and in Second Timothy. In his greeting, he says, "Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord." He, do you realize that he Paul doesn't say that in any other letter? He, he in every single other letter he says grace and peace unto you but for Timothy pastor of Ephesus Timothy his his beloved protege right this yeah. is Timothy a church leader he's saying grace mercy and peace meaning I, th- I think for for some of us that preach and teach the word and interact with people and minister in whatever way we, you know we do in the church um, we need that extra bit of mercy yeah. Like we need grace, yeah, for sure. We need peace. Oh man, do we need peace. But we also need a little bit extra mercy as well because there's times we're going to we're going to mess up and we you know we're talking about doctrine. I remember the first message I ever gave at the Crossroads Mission. It was jacked. <laughs> it was out of context. It was bad. And I remember it to this day. I remember the verse, I remember everything. And it's it's something that I had learned from, yeah. right? So there's a little bit of mercy given to me. And so with doctrine, I think that's why the reformers said semper reformanda. Always reforming. Always reforming. Always coming back to... you you got to always be coming back to Scripture and ironing yourself out to to aligning back with what the truth says. That that doesn't mean that the doctrine itself changes. Right. It means that your understanding how to explain it and your ability to handle it well and handle it with, with... the, the veracity and consistency yeah. of God's whole word yeah. 
that's that's the part. Right. Okay. Well, let's let's finish just with one thing. Okay. What uh, I I wanted just to close with. What is the goal of all of this doctrine? Why why do we make such a big deal? And First Timothy chapter one verse five gives a very quick summary of what it is. First um, Timothy one verse five says, "But the goal of our instruction," and it's talking about doctrine. It's talking about teaching. Pay attention. Uh, avoid strange doctrines. Said, oh, okay. First Timothy chapter one verse three. As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus. So that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation, rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and of a good conscience and a sincere faith. So that's the mm-hmm. goal of proper doctrine. The goal is not just because you hate other doctrine and they, they don't sound or look like you. It's because you will not be able to grow in love uh, love a good or clean conscience and a sincere faith. You mm-hmm. won't be able to grow in that if you don't have a proper standing on biblical doctrine. That's right. why learning what does God really say about something. Find out what God says everywhere and understand it about salvation, about uh, saving faith, about sin, about repentance, about prayer. Find out what everything in the Bible says, Old and New Testament combined, and you'll get a really good, solid view of it. Yeah. But if your view on something disagrees with another part of the Bible, find out why it seems to disagree. Because yeah. it won't disagree, actually. It would just seem like it if you don't understand in context, in the entire chapter, what it really is saying. Right. Here's what MacArthur says on that verse that talks about um, that the purpose of this is love, right? MacArthur says, this is the love of choice and the will characterized by self-denial and self-sacrifice for the benefit of others. And it is the mark of a true Christian. Amen. And I think this was also MacArthur. I had this quote, people who, I just want to finish on this and then you can close out. People who aren't interested in holy living will avoid being exposed to sound doctrine. Mm. Holy living doesn't mean you always wear a suit to church. I mean, your church, whoever's church might not even have suits. Holy living doesn't mean you're showing off your spirituality or your piety to other people. Right. It means you're actually set apart for God the way he calls you to be. Yeah. And that might set you apart in culture in certain ways, so set you apart in relationships in different ways, but you're set apart God's way. Yeah. Not just your church's way, not just A tradition. this tradition or yeah. culture's way, denomination way. It's like you're set apart God's way in the things that he says to be set apart from. Yeah. And it's important to know what he actually says about it. Sometimes people don't want to hear doctrine because they don't want to be set apart in those right. ways. They want to continue in all their relationships and all their affiliations and all their friendships. But Jesus is the one that said, once you come to me for real, the real me, you're going to sometimes have division between you and people within your own household. Oh, yeah. That's a big break. That's mm-hmm. like saying, when I come to Christ, my unchristian wife might want to leave me. Right. That's a real thing. Oh, there yeah. are real divorces that take place when people turn to Christ. The yeah. wife wants to leave. And the Bible says, if she really wants to leave, let her leave. Don't fight her on it. Plead with her not to. Yeah. But don't, don't hate her for it. Right. But, but if she wants to stay... Don't tell her you have to leave her because you're a Christian. She's not. No, you have to remain with her as a oh, Christian. Yeah. So there's 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 a lot of reason to understand the importance of doctrine and, and why people argue against it. They're really arguing against God's truth and his standard. It's not our standard. Yeah. And we have to understand the difference between God's doctrine and, and individual or ind- independent church or denominational doctrines. Because right. there are some people that say, in our church, you will wear a suit to church. Yeah. That is not God's law. Like, you're not dishonoring God if you would go to a church that doesn't wear suits, but it would be honorable if you can or you want to agree with the pastor and say, you know, if this is a basic dress code that he desires for us, and he's not telling us it's sin not to, but he says, I want in Mm -hmm. our church for us to have suits. If you want to honor your pastor, do that. If not, you're either going to stand out or he'll probably have a talk saying, hey, you know, I prefer suits. Why won't you wear one? It's like, well, I don't feel comfortable in a suit. I think that pastor should be all right with that, but if he's not, then Go to another church. You're not dishonoring God by not wearing a suit, Mm -hmm. but you might be dishonoring God by dishonoring your pastor in something that he would prefer for you unless he tells you it is sin to not wear a suit. Right. Then that's the problem. That's that's unbiblical. You can't say that. Yeah. So, yeah. um, Final words on doctrine, and we'll close out. Uh, I think doctrine, you know, is so important for the Christian life. Uh, You can't not have it. This is the same thing as being, like, Every single believer is a theologian, right? Yeah. There's some that are 
maybe more looked at than others, or there's some that are more right than others, but every believer is a theologian, and in the same way, every believer has doctrine. Do you have good doctrine? Do you have right doctrine? If not, then I plead with you to search it, look at it, understand it. Um, because when you understand the truth of God's word, you will see your doctrine. Yeah. You'll see what the standard is, what the measuring tape is that we hold our lives against. So that's what I would say. Uh, I plead with you to search out true doctrine because the, the riches of God's word just blow up. You know, they come alive in understanding the doctrine. Amen. Well, I appreciate you, Jeremy. Uh, thank you so much. I look forward to having you for another topic Amen. one of these days. It's been a pleasure. All right, guys. Uh, thank you for listening in. This is the Milk and Meat Podcast, and we'll check you out another time. Because I'll be worried about yourself. Why you still be doubting you got a soul? Like you need to see to believe these things. But you believe things that you've never seen. The feelings and hopes and dreams. The future emotions and gravity. And suddenly...